Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, we discuss my encounter with the Chabad Lubavitch Rebbe, in a manner of speaking. Let's get started. This past week, I watched a very interesting and somewhat controversial video online. In a debate between two rabbis on the Israeli news channel I-24, they discussed the Chabad Lubavitch Hasidic movement and some of the strongly held claims that were being made against the movement. On this week's podcast, I thought I would do something a bit different and speak about this issue from a personal and historical viewpoint, because not only did I want to share my views on this debate, a debate that's happening within the Jewish community, But this video also made me think of my own experience with the Chabad movement and how I too once had some of these same misconceptions about the movement before I even stepped foot into a Chabad synagogue. On this episode, I wanted to admit to my own misunderstandings, biases, and even challenges with the Chabad Hasidic Judaism and how these viewpoints have changed with a bit of education and most importantly, experience. For those of you who do not know what Chabad Lubavitch is, I am sure that you've seen them before. I will explain later why you have likely run into them already. However, well, first we're going to start with a little history. Courtesy of my Jewish learning, Chabad is a movement from the Hasidic branch of Judaism. Hasidism is an Orthodox spiritual revivalist movement that emerged in Eastern Europe in the 18th century. The founder of the Hasidic movement was Rabbi Israel ben Eliezer, better known as the Baal Shem Tov, or Master of the Good Name. Little about the Baal Shem Tov's biography has been firmly established by historians, but the stories of this charismatic leader and skills as a miracle worker became entrenched in Hasidic lore. The Baal Shem Tov traveled widely and developed a devoted following. Rather than lecturing on Jewish law specifically, the Baal Shem Tov urged his disciples to develop a personal relationship with God. Following his death in 1760, his teachings were further developed and disseminated by his disciples, Chief among them was Dov Burr of Mizrich, also known as the Magid of Mizrich. Dov Burr attracted numerous disciples of his own, several of whom founded their own Hasidic dynasties. One of these dynasties was Shnur Zalman Liadi, the founder of the Chabad sect. One of the key tenets proposed by the Baal Shem Tov, and by extension the Chabad movement, is that you can find God and spirituality in all aspects of the world, even in the most regular of daily tasks. Unfortunately, the Hasidic movement in all of its forms, including Chabad, were affected tremendously by the Holocaust. Much of the Hasidic population of the Jews was found in Eastern Europe. There are many historical reasons for this, but assimilation and reform movements were much more prevalent in the cities of Western Europe and North America. So when the Nazis moved through Eastern Europe, they destroyed much of the Hasidic movement and their history. Chabad, among other Hasidic groups, had narrowly escaped the Holocaust. The Jewish community in America supported the 6th Lubavitcher Rebbe and his children to come to America and re-establish themselves in New York. After some time and much more detailed history of the Chabad Lubavitch dynasty, the 6th Rebbe's son-in-law takes over the movement in 1951 and becomes the 7th Rebbe of the group. It was under this Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, that the movement had moved from somewhat small and relatively unknown to the worldwide powerhouse that it is today. This brings me to a couple of years ago. For those of you who have listened to my previous podcasts, you may be aware of my history with my own Jewish practice. I grew up in a somewhat typical Western conservative home, which means that we had some connection to our Judaism, but not strictly religious by any means. 
Going to synagogue was somewhat of a chore twice or three times a year as a younger teenager. Once I hit my bar mitzvah, my parents and I had an unspoken agreement that I wouldn't have to go to synagogue unless I wanted to ever again. And I chose to continue that once or twice a year tradition. Another staple of the Jewish-Canadian experience living in a Jewish area is the encounter with the Chabad Jewish people. They are often found around Jewish places during special times of the year. They are very noticeable and look for Jewish people to offer them things like Shabbat candles to light, or the opportunity to say some prayers wearing the traditional tefillin. This situation is often found around the world because the seventh Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, had an aim to reach out into every Jewish community rather than stay insular within their own group like many other Hasidic movements. As very well stated by the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, chief rabbi of the Commonwealth, the seventh Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, sought out every Jew in love the same way that Hitler sought out every Jew in hate. At the time, as a young Jewish person, I really didn't know this fact. I only learned this years later. What I had seen as a young man were these traditional dressed men coming over to try to get me to do a Jewish ritual, putting on tefillin, and saying a prayer for some unknown reason. I knew what tefillin was, but I had really no interest in putting them on. In fact, I hate to admit it now, but I had a great deal of resentment towards these people. The way that I saw it at the time was that these Orthodox Jewish people were trying to score points with God by getting me to do something that they feel is important. I felt like I was being used and as if they didn't really care about me. This was an act of selfishness for their own good. I was actually pretty resentful about the whole thing. However, I was so unbelievably wrong but I wouldn't find this out for years. As I grew up and began my journey towards a Jewish history degree, I began to learn a lot about Judaism, the history of the different sects and denominations of Judaism. I also learned a great deal in my religious studies degree, including the history and theology of Christianity. I stumbled upon an inaccurate, commonly held idea that Chabad Lubavitch and many of its elements can be compared to Christianity in two main ways— As a young person growing up in the Jewish area, I had often gone to local businesses that are run by people who are part of the Chabad movement and seen on the walls pictures and paintings of a rabbi. As a young person, I was unaware of who this person was, but I couldn't help but feel that this wasn't something found in the Judaism that I learned when I grew up. It was something unusual to have icons of a person, something that I learned was against Jewish belief, on their walls. As I learned more about Christianity, this seemed more closer to a Christian home than a Jewish one. Many others, like a rabbi found on an I-24 debate, have made this connection too, even if it is fairly inaccurate. A second misconception that was made by this rabbi in the I-24 news broadcast and debate is the missionary work done by many Christian sects. It is very common to find Christian groups who go door-to-door and try and bring non-Christian people into their faith through conversion. Often people on the street see a clearly identifiable Jewish person in traditional Jewish clothing, asking other people to do Jewish rituals. Some would suggest that this is a similar practice to Christianity and their missionizing of people. This is also very inaccurate. A number of years ago, I found myself having a somewhat biased view against the Chabad movement and some of these issues that I saw from the outside. As someone who believes in educating himself about many of these issues, I decided before I really have a negative view about them, maybe I should do some of my own research. I began researching and reading about the Seventh Rebbe and the Chabad movement, And boy, did I ever realize how wrong I'd been for so many years. It really goes to show not to judge a book by a cover. Reading about the movement and their mission under the Rebbe was nothing short of inspiring. 
I know that some struggle, like this I-24 rabbi in the debate, with the idea of having a figurehead like a Rebbe at the top of a Jewish sect. But the more research that I had done, the more I realized that the Rebbe held a very important special place in this world. Reading many books about his personal history and work while he was alive, I really was taken aback by his wisdom and the things that he was able to contribute to this world. Obviously, there's a great deal of stuff that we can discuss when it comes to the Rebbe, and I suggest that you seek out more information from various books and publications about him. However, there are a few things that really interested me about the man, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the seventh Rebbe of Chabad Lubavitch. Much of the information that we have on the Rebbe and his views comes from his speeches that he would often give to followers and also private meetings and correspondence that he would have with people from all over the world who would come to see him. This included presidents, prime ministers, and figureheads from all over the government. Jews and non-Jews would come to seek out his wisdom, something that has probably never been replicated since. Many of these letters have been published with the permission of those involved in order to show the Rebbe's views and thoughts on many topics. One of the most incredible and forward aspects of the Rebbe's message was his use of radio and eventually video to pass along his messages to people all over the world. Typically, a Jewish person would only hear words of Torah and wisdom while in a synagogue on Saturday. The use of this mass media that can still be seen today on YouTube has ensured people all over the world were able to hear the words and wisdom and the Rebbe's inspiration. Another key aspect of the Rebbe's progressive ideas was around the inclusion of women in the movement. Unlike many traditional forms of Judaism who focus on men's responsibility and learning, the Rebbe believed strongly in a form of equality for women. Women under the Rebbe would receive a Jewish education and be a crucial part of Jewish practice in the family. The Rebbe began a campaign to have young women go out and hand out free Shabbat candles to the Jewish women in hopes that it would spark the continuation of that Jewish tradition. This is the reason why many people around the diaspora will see these women handing out candles. This very powerful act of charity and inspiration to bring Jewish people back to their faith of their ancestors came from an idea by the Rebbe that all Jewish souls have a small spark inside of them, and when that soul is reconnected with their Judaism and God, it grows into a burning passion. This is also the same thought behind the actions of getting young Jewish men to come closer to their Judaism by putting on tefillin, the action that I was so offended by as a young conservative Jew. The person asking if you want to put on tefillin was not doing it for themselves, like I thought, in order to score points with God. It is actually a sincere hope to support all Jewish people to reconnect with their faith in God in their own way. This is simply the easiest and quickest way, especially in public. I realized how wrong I was about these people and what they were trying to do. I realized that my thoughts and feelings about being judged by these fellow Jewish people, about my different style of practice, was completely wrong. There really is no judgment by many, if not all, of these people for my lack of practice. They are open to all Jews to learn how to take on any aspects of Jewish practice that they want to choose to add to their daily life. Their hope is simply that this passion inside you will grow. This is where I noticed the departure from the commonly held misunderstandings about the group in the comparison to Christianity. The idea that Chabad looks to bring people into their movement is very much inaccurate for two reasons. Firstly, you'll notice that the first question that these people ask you on a street corner is, are you Jewish? The reason being that, unlike Christians, they do not seek to convert anybody. They are looking for Jewish people who may want to participate in one act of charity or a Jewish practice. 
They don't seek to bring anyone into Judaism. They seek to bring Jews back into their own Judaism, free of judgment or expectations. So many things that I misunderstood about the growing sect of Orthodox Judaism, and the more I learned about the ideas behind Chabad and the Rebbe, the more I actually found it appealing. I remember vividly the first day that I made the decision to visit a Chabad synagogue for the first time, and the unfounded feelings of intimidation to join a religious synagogue for Shabbat services. A number of years ago, I was dealing with what I would call a bit of a midlife crisis of sorts, and was seeking for answers and direction in my life. While I was on a trip to Israel, leading a birthright trip, I met the most amazing and kind-hearted Israeli who I had the pleasure of meeting and sharing a room with. The last thing that I ever would have expected to have is a deep conversation with an Israeli that I had met three days earlier. After sharing some of my big existential questions that I had with Judaism and God, he gave me the advice that changed my life. He had suggested that I speak with God myself and that I should seek out God in my own way. This was seemingly simple advice. However, I didn't know where to start. I tried to begin by finding ways to speak to God and look for answers. I began to try and incorporate more Judaism into my life with prayers and maybe trying to attend synagogue more regularly. However, I was a little intimidated to go to the local Chabad Orthodox synagogue. I had spoken to a friend of mine who grew up in a more traditional home, and I asked her what I should avoid or expect in order to ensure that I don't embarrass myself in a room full of Orthodox Jews. She went so far out of her way to support me that she asked if I wanted her to ask around to see if someone who attends that location would be sort of my Shabbos buddy to make me feel less out of place. I was so touched by this, but I was going to try it on my own. I remember vividly walking into my local Chabad synagogue on a Saturday morning and found myself a seat in the back where I could hide and be unseen. That didn't serve me too well because little did I know about Chabad and this rabbi is that he has an incredible memory for the attendees and he picked me out from a very large room and came over to introduce himself. Fresh with my Israeli tan, he asked if I was new here and if I'm from Israel. I explained to him that it was my first time and with that, a lifelong connection had been made. There was something about this rabbi that radiates a welcome presence. His charisma, passion and kindness radiated out from him something that I had never seen from any person before. I found myself wanting to go to synagogue every week to not only hear the incredible funny words of wisdom that he would have to share, but really just to see a smile light up on his face when he would say hello and how happy he was to see me there. The connection that I have made with this rabbi is nothing short of incredible. The time and energy that this rabbi has put into his relationship with me is beyond anything I've ever experienced with an organizational leader. Even more amazingly, I've seen him put the same time and effort into his personal connections with nearly all, or possibly all, of those who attend his synagogue. Even just if you were a visitor and a non-paying member, as I was for many years. Over the years, our connection grew so strong that I remember how happy I was to tell him and introduce him to my now wife before we got engaged, and the pride of being able to show him our eventual engagement photos. I couldn't think of anyone who I would want more to perform my marriage the man who helped me through the most difficult time of my life, questioning God and Judaism, and he was able to see me through to the other side into a marriage and a strong, proud Jewish practice, a life I'd always dreamed of. A short time ago, I was reflecting about how this one man could somehow be able to touch so many people's lives and make such an impact. It took me a few minutes, but I eventually realized where I'd seen this type of thing before, the Rebbe. In all of my reading about the Rebbe, I found in my rabbi a small spark of that Rebbe and his teaching. 
My rabbi found a small faded spark in me, faded from years of disconnection with my own Judaism. However, like the Rebbe once said, seek out the sparks of holiness that lie beyond your borders. Let's invest in offense. Every Jew, no matter how spiritually far he or she may seem, has a divine fire. Every human being has a divine spark. This is one of the key elements to the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe's missions, to set in place what is now known as the Shluchim. These were students of the Rebbe who would go out to every corner of the world, wherever one Jewish person might be, and be a form of support to their Jewish practice. This is where the concept of the Rebbe seeking out every Jewish person in love, as Hitler sought out every Jewish person in hate. These rabbis and Rebbitsons put themselves and their families in very challenging situations to move to a place that they have never been before, and having to keep their strict traditional requirements in a place that has no local support all in the hopes of helping those few Jewish people who might live or visit this location. My rabbi is one of these shluchim who stood in the light of the seventh Rebbe and took his wisdom and teaching, which clearly comes across when he found that spark in me. In the end, there's a reason why Chabad is one of the fastest growing movements in modern Judaism. Contrary to the popular belief, even my own at one point, it is not due to their attempts to convert or force people into this Jewish practice. I unexpectedly found that the reason for their success is due to their judgment-free support for Jewish people, adding to their personal Jewish practice. It is also due to the passionate and caring people who have spread out across the world to follow the Rebbe's mission, to seek out every Jewish person. It is hard not to fall in love with the Hasidic Judaism's joyous celebration of all things that this world has to offer. Listening to this I-24 report where these two rabbis debated whether or not Chabad is a legitimate movement or some sort of heresy really got me upset, because I too once thought that. And here I am, proof positive that the Rebbe's mission is still alive and well, that every Jew who wants to practice their Judaism and become closer to God could walk through those doors and find a judgment-free, supportive place to add whatever practice you'd like to your Judaism, no questions asked. In research for this podcast, funny enough, I found a clip of my own rabbi speaking about this exact topic. The Rebbe's mission, and by extension his own, towards seeking out Jewish people who want to get closer to their Judaism. I'm going to end this podcast with the wise words of a man who I have so much gratitude for, and I'm always in awe of. The Rebbe began to talk to Yehuda Avner about how he saw each and every individual. The Rebbe described a candle. A candle as being a ball of wax that has a thread But a ball of wax with a thread sheds no light and no warmth. It gives no direction or clarity. And the Rebbe said it's only when that thread is kindled, when that wax is ignited, when the soul is on fire, does the candle fulfill its mission and purpose. And metaphorically speaking, when our souls are kindled, when we live a life that burns with the light of Torah and mitzvahs, do we find mission, meaning, and purpose. And the Rebbe had this extraordinary way of kindling the candle, the flame, the wick of every person he met. We will probably never know the full impact, the full range, the full gamut of the souls he kindled during his terrestrial lifetime. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. Don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast and check out some of our other episodes on your favorite podcast source. We'll see you next time.